Hello everyone, welcome to What is Covenant, Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry with Dr. Michael David Clay. So, take me home. (laughs) When I'm at the end of my life, when all is said and done, I'm tired and worn out. Take me home. And even should it be really the end of my life as in the final day. Where do I want to be? I want to be at least close enough to home that they can bury me there. And with that, on the family plot... Now, of course, many of us, maybe most of us, really don't know what that's like. There was a generation or two ago that probably appreciated that much more so than today's world or the generations that we live in currently. Not only because (laughs) many people don't seem to own much in the way of land these days, but we've sold the family farm. We've sold with it the values, all the things that go with the experience. Not all of them, but a good bit of them. And with that, then the homage we pay, the memorial, the tombstone, uh, the grave marker, even, the actual burial plot itself, more so the cemetery. Many are becoming are being cremated these days, becoming cremated, maybe is the right way to say that, these days, and don't even really have much of a place to commemorate. Maybe you get a placard on the wall. Even back in the day, this is how important that was, those individuals that really were strangers, we still put them in the city city cemetery and gave them a funeral. doesn't happen maybe as much today, if any at all. And with that, you get an urn and you get to sit somewhere, I guess on somebody's mantle in somebody's house. But I don't know even how long that might be uh, in terms of memoriam. It seems it's even shorter today than it's ever been. First Kings chapter 22, verse 37. So the king died and was brought to Samaria, and they buried the king in Samaria. And one washed the chariot in the pool of Samaria, and the dogs licked up his blood, and they washed his armor according unto the word of the Lord, which he spoke. King Ahab (laughs) was indeed, prophetically so, going to die, and as much as he was going to die, he was going to die a somewhat, I guess, inauspicious, at least in terms of good homage, death, and should there be a memorial, I suppose it's right here, I'm reading it. He's in the book, uh, the Word of God, the Chronicles, but also here in the Kings of Israel. And with that, his memorial and thus reputation is a bit tarnished, if not a whole bunch. And even as we've been speaking, previous podcasts, of why that is, the word declares unto us, there is no king worse than Ahab. And yet, he did nothing really any worse than David, King David, and we think of no better king possibly, except for Jesus. 
as would then be King David. And what would be once more the difference? It's whether or not they ruled with grace and mercy as with not only one that bestowed, but one that understood how to receive it properly. And not that iniquity as within humanity and then the human design, construction, would ever be fully removed. It's not then to fix humanity. It's to correct or to sanctify humanity or to make correction out of the divine spirit, divine nature that God also endued, gave to humankind, humanity. The vessel is not cleansed or clean until you otherwise would allow God to do so in the Holy Spirit and with that, Jesus Christ. But as soon as it's clean, the vessel itself is implicitly flawed And David and Ahab were of human construction, equally so as all of us, as was from the beginning of times with Adam until the end time when Jesus comes again. And therein, feet of clay, (laughs) as Daniel would have interpreted the dream to Nebuchadnezzar or with Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And everything is a construct But it's all construct built upon feet of clay, lest we are then able to understand it's not in human construction. It's not even human vessel. It is divine in that it is always the Holy Spirit, always has been the Holy Spirit, and therein God. And should we make any mistake about it, Jesus has been there in the garden all along as much the Holy Spirit. It's just our humanity that wages conflict, enmity against all of God's word, against his righteousness, against his divinity, against Jesus himself. But it doesn't end with Jesus dying, except it would be to prove the point or prove the fact or prove the point in material dimension that salvation is not in the flesh. It is the spirit that rises. It is the spirit that is resurrected. It is the spirit man (laughs) that then otherwise overcomes death and the grave. Why? Not because he is or she is of human construction or even the human personality that aspires in the best effort that it could with word of God, not only in mind, but also somehow, some way still residual in the heart, the human soul, that we would want to, desire to experience full and total redemption to overcome it. But we never will. Why? Because it is us to be evil. It's in us. But for the blood of Jesus Christ, the atonement that that makes, the sacrificial lamb that Christ is, that that makes on our behalf, we have an advocate with the Father, we now have the Holy Spirit restored because we've now understood how to rightly die to our humanity and our identity because, again, feet of clay... Anything that isn't God of godliness, even the narrative that God gave us in conscious awareness, 
in human insight and awareness so that we might then have a better time, as with Old Testament word, understanding what he's called us to. It too, just as our identity, just as our human soul and persona that goes along with that must perish so that Christ can live again. (laughs) Not that Jesus couldn't live without us again. He is resurrected. But that we would not know resurrection except that we would come into Jesus and allow him in the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, restored (laughs) to bring us to that place of being called a person, man or woman, after God's own heart. Ahab was not this individual. David was. Are we still struggling with that? Yes, until Jesus comes again. But why this is important is that Ahab, in self-righteousness, could get so confused and so twisted that he could not even discern the word of God. Or as he discerned the word of God, he could not abide in it because his heart had either become, as we speculated last podcast, so hardened that he lost his heart. He lost his conscience. He lost the presence of the Holy Spirit or he muted the Holy Spirit such, grieved the Holy Spirit such, he was no longer operating out of any hope of resurrection or redemption in Christ to come as part of all that was generation to generation manifest, word as in then translate, as in transform, transfigure into Christ to come in New Testament. But Ahab was a man of Old Testament, literally, But even so, was not able to begin to remotely grasp the messaging that God was trying to bring to him that would then remedy, (laughs) relieve him of such his curse upon himself through the work of the devil that he would suffer (laughs) such an ill end. And what is that end? Well, 1 Kings 22 makes it pretty clear. The end was, as I read a moment ago with verse 38, I'll read it again. And one washed the chariot in the pool of Samaria, and the dogs licked up his blood, and they washed his armor according unto the word of the Lord, which he spoke. And once more, this is... We're speaking of Ahab here. The word is speaking of Ahab. We're on today's podcast talking of Ahab. And this is in reference directly to Ahab. But because of Ahab's selfishness, because of Ahab's inability to truly repent, as again with 1 Kings 21, when he took Naboth's vineyard and Elijah spoke to him, and with that then he was with grace and mercy, stayed the execution. In 1 Kings 22, he was right back at it. And with that, Syria. And with that, Samaria. And with that, now, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah. And with that, inquiry as to whether or not 
Ahab could go up and reclaim Samaria, which was near and dear to him because obviously he had personal connections. Uh, and indeed, the Syrians had stolen that from the Hebrew people. But even so, we know that the personal connections, Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, began to reign over Israel and Samaria the 17th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and reigned two years over Israel. And he did evil, beginning, uh, began with verse 51, now verse 52, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and in the way of his mother and in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, who made Israel to sin. For he served Baal and worshipped him and provoked anger, or provoked to anger the Lord God of Israel according to all that his father had done. But Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, was also then over Samaria or ruled, reigned over Israel in Samaria. But even so, Ahab, when he was buried... He was buried in the same place. And to what end? It would be to return him to his heritage. And how do we know? Because verse 39, Now the rest of the acts of Ahab and all that he did, and the ivory house which he made, and all the cities that he built, are they not written in the books of the chronicles of the king of Israel? And Ahab slept with his fathers, and Ahaziah his son reigned in his stead. But the king died and was brought to Samaria, and they buried the king in Samaria. We can lament that, in that possibly Ahab had a bit of eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth righteousness. And it was, again, his people... And as he was buried there with his ancestry, we could also appreciate and understand why he wanted it back. And quite possibly, it wasn't that he wanted it back, even if it were to be out of simply eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, Old Testament sort of mentality or righteousness. But the motive, the way he was going to take it back, as much also as I mentioned a moment ago, the confusion of not even really being able to hear, maybe I should even say this, not a maybe, I should say even this, not even wanting to consult with God about it so that he could get better clarity on how he should go about doing that. Ahab wanted nothing to do with it. And as much as Jehoshaphat became involved... I'll start with 1 Kings 22, verse 1. And they continued three years without war between Syria and Israel. And it came to pass in the third year that Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came down to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel said unto his servants, Know ye that Ramoth and Gilead is ours, and we are still, meaning we've not done anything about it, and take it not out of the hand of of the king of Syria. And he said unto Jehoshaphat, Will thou go with me to battle to Ramoth Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as thou art, unfortunately. Wish he weren't. Could have wished had Jehoshaphat understood what he is herein quoted as saying. Maybe he wouldn't have said it quite that way. 
My people as thy people, my horses as thy horses. And I think all that Jehoshaphat was saying was reiterating, reclaiming, was not only the territory, but the fact that there was an Abrahamic covenant. This was all given to Jacob, Israel, and with that then someone, promised land, now has come and taken it away and they want it back. It's their rightful inheritance and we should do something about this. It resonated a bit with Jehoshaphat. But let's not forget though, Israel and Judah were also at odds with each other quite a bit in conflict and had raised up arms against one another as well. And just for the sake of being as thorough as possibly we could be in the short time that we have on the podcast, it was out of David's numbering the people and his own hypervigilance, if not paranoia, that someone was going to steal his kingdom, that all of this transpired. And uh, with that, then Bathsheba and Uriah and David having Uriah killed And Nathan coming to David, and even as once more we mentioned in the last podcast, Elijah came to Ahab, presenting him with the same sort of witness, word of God, judgment that Ahab through Jezebel, by proxy of Jezebel, and Ahab did it himself. Jezebel just stirred it up. Jezebel is secondary. She is not primary to any of this. She made none of this happen. We don't want to pin it on her, even as Adam. This woman thou gave me? No, it's Ahab. But Elijah called him out and said, basically, you've had Naboth killed so you could take his vineyard. And with that, Ahab repented, but he didn't get the message. He was not a gracious or merciful person. And here he is back going at it with Syria for the sake of Samaria and didn't learn. Grace and mercy is how you claim territory. There has to be a judgment, a pronouncement of judgment. There has to be a knowledge of right or wrong. The Old Testament does a sufficient job for us even today to know the difference between right and wrong. We said that also in the podcast or on the podcast last week. That the contrast is undeniable between David and Ahab. Good and bad. Herein, Jehoshaphat, not David and Ahab. Well, I guess it is David and Ahab, but also Jehoshaphat and Ahab. And Asa, as with Judah. And Jehoshaphat then following in the tradition of Asa. And trying to do it seemingly so the right thing out of the right spirit and heart. But by this point, because of David's indiscretion, it was already contaminated. There was already blood being let and conflicts and battles and struggles and fights. Was it righteous indignation? Yes. But it wasn't righteous indignation to the fullness of God's righteousness. It still was sprinkled with way too much anger, the indignation part. And that it would really take then... Jesus, who was entitled to be angry and certainly manifest anger or indignation on behalf of God. But even with God, it wasn't to the killing of anyone as much as it was with the indignation that lies in human iniquity, human dimension. 
not saving because the person that was subject to the anger, the angst, the indignation, as in with bitterness, can't be saved. The bitterness is the, the, the stuff of hardening of the heart. Ahab had lost his conscience. You could say, well, it's through generations of embitterment. Yes, but God tried to save them through those generations, beginning with Saul. And the people didn't catch the message quite right. And Moses didn't. Moses smote the rock. It's just human iniquity. We'll never, once again, we'll never be freed of that. The only thing that frees us of that is sanctification. Yes, by word of God, more so by living word of God, through Jesus Christ and Holy Spirit. Operations. To become even as David, when he repented, changed his heart to represent, or to example, being such the man after God's own heart, that not only did he receive forgiveness, God's grace and mercy, but he knew the sin he had committed and was unwilling to do it again. Ahab was going to do it again. Jehoshaphat just did not know that. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together. And these are whose prophets? His prophets. And not saying that they were always wrong or that they were ever wrong. And as we'll read and discover here in a moment as we're reading, it's no different here. It's just the motive is murder. The motive is taking it by force. You don't inherit the kingdom of heaven by taking it in taking it by force. It will not come that way. It is not without, without again, righteous indignation, but it is only to the end of establishing right from wrong. And the penalty therein of refusing to abide in righteousness, whose, again, once more, God's, Whose way? God's way. Do it your way and you'll experience nothing but death. Hopefully it won't be your eternal damnation as with your human soul and then your judgment or in God's judgment, you're being then sentenced to hell. But you can have some dimension of that on earth and even so, awaiting either your departure from this life or should Jesus come sooner, then you would leave. Eventually, when Christ comes again, all those that are in humanity still guilty of murder, thou shalt not kill, to truly be, as with the two great commandments, fulfilling of God's edicts, to know there is but one God and to love him with all thy heart, mind, and soul, heart, mind, soul, and spirit, and to love others as you love yourself. All the commandments come down to these two, as Jesus put it. If you're going around killing people, even in the name of Jesus, you're doing it wrong. You're to lay down your life in the name of Jesus. Is it all out of righteous indignation? Probably so, but it's all out of humanity. And that's the only place that righteous indignation has any house to dwell in. But you allow it to dwell too long and you will become again, even as Ahab, embittered and having lost your conscience. You don't feel badly. You have no empathy. You have no ability to put yourself in another person's shoes, even if that would just be with human 
regard so that you might slow it down enough to not lift up arms and have somebody killed just because you want what they have. And especially if it's the blessing of God. You're not going to get the blessing of God except that you would do it in way of the word. There is but one way, truth, and therein life. It's Jesus. We have to say that that way. I hope this, I want to say pricks your conscience a bit, convicts you a bit even as I'm saying it. Because if it's not, then you're more toward the Ahab than you are toward the David. Ahab's prophets, about 400 men, and said unto them, Shall I go against Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And they said, Go up, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. And that is true. That is the truth. As again, hopefully by the time we finish Reading this passage today on the podcast, it will prove itself to be true. But with evil in your mind and your heart and intention to kill or blood on your hands, having tasted of it, and then even so having, for the sake of grace and mercy, that God would not go against himself, have your execution stayed, you might get a little bit brazen about it thinking that somehow you can get away with this murder, stealing somebody, lying, cheating, stealing. The thief cometh to kill, 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 steal and destroy. And Jehoshaphat said, because Jehoshaphat was a man, again, more so as along the lines of David, the king of Judah, after God's own heart, he said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides that we may inquire of him? Possibly Jehoshaphat out of some spirit of prophecy, Jesus, some glimpse of the Holy Spirit, some because he had logistically prepared a place or at least did better than Ahab and not allowing his conscience to be seared, not having quite the degree of murder and blood, not only in his hands, but out of his human mind. Will, Jehoshaphat could see something's probably wrong with this. And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, why is he still talking to Jehoshaphat? Maybe for political reasons, maybe Ahab didn't see yet, I suspect he did. Just maybe, even as the devil keeps talking to you, who are believers, on the perchance that he could somehow just allow you to work your way around to seeing it his way? He says, Ahab, there is yet one man, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, by whom we may inquire of the Lord. But I hate him, for he doth not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say so. Then the king of Israel called an officer and said, Hasten to bring here Micaiah, the son of Imlah. And the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, sat each on his throne, having put on their robes in a threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. (laughs) They were were right there on the precipice, that's the right way to say it, precipice, of committing an atrocity, a sin. And with that, 
some weights in the balance. And with that, good and evil. And with that, still in a contemplation sort of stage. And with that, it could be Jesus and the devil. Or it could be you in the name of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the devil. Since this is the Old Testament, we'll believe that the manifestation of Christ had not come to its fullness. So we really don't know that we want to say Jesus. But I think Jesus was there. The angel of the Lord was there. And with that, as we kind of trivialize it, unfortunately, you've got the devil on one side and you've got the angel of God on the other and you're right there in the middle trying to deliberate. Well, what should I do? What should I do? It didn't work before. What should I do? What should I do? As fully before. And it wasn't that Syria was right. Syria was not right before God as much also before the law, the covenant of a. Uh, of Abraham, Abrahamic covenant, and was not right before Ahab. But God's plan was not to commit further atrocity to correct a wrong. Two wrongs don't make a right, as they say. And the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, sat each on his throne having put on their robes in a threshing floor, which is exactly what I'm saying is happening. This all being threshed out. The entrance of the gate of Samaria and all the prophets prophesied before them. And Zedekiah, the son of Chenah, made horns of iron and he said, Thus saith the Lord, with these shalt thou push the Syrians until they have consumed them. And all the prophets prophesied saying, So, saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead. And prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the king's hand. And as again, we're going to find out here in a moment, Zedekiah was not wrong. But the lens through which Ahab was looking at this had again become so convoluted in his own sense of righteousness, his own judgments of righteousness, of what is right and the corruption of human iniquity, left unchecked, unbalanced. That really, even with Jehoshaphat sitting there, and I do not believe Jehoshaphat sinned. I do not believe that Jehoshaphat was acting out of iniquity. I think Jehoshaphat was acknowledging, yes, the kingdoms of Israel and Judah should be one, even as God had proclaimed them to be, as he gave that birthright unto Jacob when he changed it to Israel. And get this. Esau manifested what even Ahab could not manifest. For when Jacob had been called back to have his moment, what did Esau do? Esau did not kill him. He'd stolen his birthright, but he did not kill him. Why? Because it was Jacob's birthright. It was to be then Israel because God already knew that this whole thing of Belel, this whole thing of the devil, it, it, it's not simply then the Abrahamic covenant. It's not Ishmael and Isaac even. 
It goes all the way back to the garden. There is a Bilal. There's a Baal. There's a Beelzebub. There's a devil. There's Satan that's still in conflict, enmity with Jesus, with the seed that would then be as representative of Jacob, the Israel. Esau, even Esau had to bow a knee. The Moabites eventually, Edomites I should say, eventually would manifest this. But the idea though is that Ahab was unfortunately part of that lineage. He wasn't truly of David's. Zedekiah was speaking the truth. The horns of iron, though, were not for the sake of mangling or mauling or killing or destroying. Although it seems that horns and iron, that's all you could do with them. I think it's worth at least considering that even then that's a bit prophetic. And who's it coming from? Nothing but Zedekiah, the son of Chinua, a prophet. That he was prophesying of not only Old Testament eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, as establishing a sense of conscience, conviction as to righteousness, but he was also speaking to New Testament, <laughs> to two parts. Both horns are necessary, which is a superior, it is the New Testament, but that would have sufficed, not to the killing. But to the acknowledgement, even as we know with God, we have in us such iniquity, we none of us have a right to live. But God doesn't choose that way. He chooses to give his son Jesus so that we might have life, so that he would then demonstrate how in grace and mercy, even more so than righteous indignation, even more so than judgment, even more so than heaven and hell, God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. You do that to yourself out of the same evil spirit that Ahab was manifesting. And so all the prophets prophesied saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the king's hand. Now you could argue possibly, who are they speaking to? Well, they were speaking to Ahab, but Jehoshaphat was there too. Verse 13. And the messenger who was gone to call Micaiah spoke unto him, saying, Behold now the words of the prophets declare good unto the king with one mouth. Let thy word, I pray thee, almost as if he's pleading, please, please, please agree. Be like the word of one of them and speak that which is good. Oh, please, let's just confirm this then. And Micaiah said, As the Lord liveth, what the Lord saith unto me, that will I speak. And of course, if he had said anything else, then he would have already been guilty, of at least suspect, of playing to placating the king or playing to the appeal of the masses, the people. Please, please, please say this is going to work. You're never going to win by placating the people. You can't. Ezekiel, you're going to be held accountable for what you don't say as much as accountable for what you do say. So what you do say... 
Be like Micaiah. Speak it as with conviction and knowing full well that you may indeed have to have a forehead of rock because they're not going to like it. This stiff-necked group. So he came to the king. Which king? It could have been either. It's not a capital K. It's a small K. It could have been either. It could have been Jehoshaphat. It could have been Ahab. It's probably both. And the king said unto him, Micaiah, which king? (laughs) I'm thinking it's probably Ahab. Micaiah, shall we go against Ramoth Gilead the battle or shall we forbear? And it could have been, again, Jehoshaphat. And he answered him, go and prosper for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. Which king? It could have been Ahab. It could have been Jehoshaphat. I'm going to say it was Jehoshaphat simply because I know Ahab's character. I've been trying to present factually the basis for this. It is a bit of a judgment, but it's for the sake of discernment. And I don't want to be confusing, and I certainly don't want to be as confusing as the prophets and Micaiah, this whole threshing floor conversation that took place between Ahab and Jehoshaphat, and even so us. It happens to us today. I'm just reminding you of the relevance of it. I don't want to get confused, and I don't want you to be confused. And if you're going to seek godly counsel from anyone, seek it from Christian counseling, specialized pastoral care. Seek it from someone who understands the implications. There's the fruit of life, the tree of life, and then there's the tree of knowledge of good and evil that once again takes us right back to the garden and The first things that we know that the devil had to say, Satan had to say, and as much to Eve, this is all the same thing. Knowledge of good and evil, the threshing floor, angels on one side, devils on the other. They're angels too. But of which fruit are you going to partake? The word of God or the corrupted word of God? Is it going to be the Christ or as with book of Revelation, in times the Antichrist? The son of perdition. Are you going to be the son of perdition? Are you going to let Christ, allow Christ through the Holy Spirit to manifest manifest himself in and through you to the resurrection, even in physical dimension of him? He will marry the church so they become one and we are now one as we with the church and the marriage feast of the Lamb, we are now one with Jesus. And it sets up all of that that's going to happen a priority, immediate, imminent to the final white throne judgment of God as is captured by John the Revelator in the book of Revelation. And the king said unto him, which king? I think this is therein Ahab. How many times shall I adjure thee that thou tellest me nothing but that which is true in the name of the Lord? Again, it could have been Jehoshaphat. I don't think he would have been as, as incredulous. And if it were to have been Ahab, which I think it is, Ahab knew full well that he was lying through his teeth. As the devil does. But he's just trying to, again, do what the devil is doing presently, hold out in hopes that he might take a few more down, he might gain a bit more traction, he might live by lying, cheating, and stealing 
coming to kill, steal, and destroy a little longer before he has to face his ultimate demise. And you too, those two, if it should be you, I hope it's not, that would be of their father, not God, not even brothers and sisters with Christ, but of the devil. Verse 17. And he said, I saw all Israel scattered upon the hills as sheep that have not a shepherd. Again, this is Old Testament. We're still awaiting Jesus to come to then in fullest perfection, completion, manifest the voice of the shepherd and the sheep, as we know now with New Testament word, who recognize and hear his voice. Jesus is speaking through the Holy Spirit in you. Even so, you do not have to live in darkness. And this is Micaiah. (laughs) This is not Zedekiah. This is Micaiah. And as much as Zedekiah was speaking the truth, he was speaking it in that same sort of antichrist way. He can't lie. Balaam couldn't lie. He could just trick and con and connive and hope that there will be those people who won't be strong in the word, who won't have the living word testimony of Jesus in them, who will not be partaking of the tree of life, who will not understand how the Old Testament is simply for the logistics, the sanctification of the body, so that the true sanctification, as with Spirit, Holy Spirit, Proceeding forth, resting permanently so in the heart of those that love Jesus as Lord and Savior so that they may operate in the full power of the Holy Spirit to the end of the ministry of reconciliation to the end day that Jesus cometh again not only through us but one day in material manifestation as once more was captured in the book of Revelation. They have no master. Let them return every man to his house in peace. The execution is continuing to be stayed until the righteous sacrifice would come. Jesus. But when it comes, when he comes, as in looking at it from historical context, when it would come, then the accountability and the responsibility that goes along with that, it's your choice. There shouldn't be threshing floor discussions imminently. So, as with imminent demise, any longer or protracted than they have to be. Reach the age of accountability. Raise up a child in the way of a Lord. Your identity, the sooner it is established in Christ, the better. Don't wait till you're on your deathbed In the hopes of salvation, don't fall into such apostasy. Not only will your heart become hardened so you can't receive the conviction of the Holy Spirit or hear the the voice of conviction. Jesus, as was speaking through or in the Holy Spirit, to the place of becoming Ahab and so deranged (laughs) out of godly order. That you'll take even the word of God and twist it. Just like the devil does to your own benefit. 
And then those that were foolish enough not to read, those who were foolish enough to let the oil run out in their lamps, that were foolish enough not to heed the invitation to the marriage feast of the Lamb, that those that were, <laughs> were so hardened of heart that they did not receive in his own land, even speaking of such, his own inheritance, Jesus could not do the same but a few same degree or extent the mighty works that he was able to do with the people that didn't know him because they had become so corrupted, full of themselves, they couldn't receive Christ. And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell thee that he would prophesy no good concerning me but evil? And he said, Hear thou therefore the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne. The throne, not only heavenly throne, but heart throne. And all the host of heaven standing by him on his right hand and on his left. These are the angels that certainly I believe, as with word, context, uh, the devil, like a roaring lion, lion, wandering to and fro, looking upon whom he may devour, even as with the book of Job, God had audience with the devil over Job. I believe that these conversations, this battle until humanity is deceased, till the human creation is then brought forth in new creation terms, This is still a struggle. It's it's the same struggle that Daniel foresaw and why Daniel is such then in that same spirit of prophecy, feet of clay, Nebuchadnezzar, all of this human construct ridden with conflict, death and destruction. Even so, why Daniel's word resonated so much, not for only Nebuchadnezzar, but even as we read it today, knowing full well the New Testament and the testimony of the Holy Spirit or in the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ, the spirit of prophecy, we know this. We recognize this. It's still going on. And the Lord said, Who shall persuade Ahab? Who shall persuade us? That he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said on this manner, and another said on that manner, and therefore came forth a spirit and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. And the Lord said unto him, By what means? And he said, I will go forth. (laughs) The devil, folks. This is the Antichrist. This is the counterfeit. One and the same. And I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. And he said, Thou shalt persuade him and prevail also. Go forth and do so. Does God want us to be persuaded in such a manner by such a lying spirit? Does God want us? No. God spoke to Adam. God spoke to Adam and Eve and had fellowship with them long before the devil had access.
access to Eve. God wants to know, though, that we can take possession of our own vessels. And not in a moment of of selfishness, whatever might be the cause. It could be out of wanton need, wanton need, depravity, emptiness, abandonment, being forsaken, hurt, harmed, mistreated, not brought up in the way of the Lord. But even that, all it will turn to is pride and arrogance and a hardened heart. You're not going to have a sensitive heart. You will have no compassion for your fellow man. You will breach and break the two great commandments. Unless you can take possession of your vessel and make what? The choice. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And what is the word of our testimony? We have to make a choice. Jesus. Jehoshaphat. The Holy Spirit. Even so, Micaiah. Or we're going to go the way of the devil. It, it is binary and it's dichotomous. But God tells us about it. He doesn't deny us his Holy Spirit. It is we that grieve the Holy Spirit. And then why would we find it? Anything. But somewhat common sense, I suppose, if you could step back and see it objectively, that people will end up paying the penalty for that. Even so, some, their mortal soul, will go to hell with the devil who, again, is still at work doing this work of trying to steal you from God and condemn you to hell. But it's your choice. It has to be your choice. Otherwise, God would be no better. And you would know no better right from wrong simply because you'd say, well... You made me do this. Remember that old saying, the devil made me do this. For those of you who are old enough to remember that old saying. No, Jezebel did not make Ahab do this. Ahab made a choice on his own. Didn't Ahab know how to repent? Yes. First Kings 21. Remember Elijah speaking to Ahab about Naboth and he repented. Did he know how to Bring his conscience, consciousness is what I should say, into alignment with his conscience. Maybe, but he certainly wasn't going to allow the Holy Spirit to seal it. And that's what we need. We need our conscience, not seared, but sealed. Now, therefore, behold, the Lord hath put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these thy prophets, And the Lord hath spoken evil concerning thee. And who is this saying this? But Micaiah. But Zedekiah, the son of Chinnah, went near and smote Micaiah on the cheek and said, and said, or saith, Which way went the Spirit of the Lord, as with a capital S, for me to speak unto thee? And Micaiah said, Behold, thou shalt see in that day. What day? When judgment day comes, when all of this, the stay of execution, is no longer stayed, 
When it is the white throne judgment, when it's all said and done, all those that would have come to Jesus has come to Jesus. When it is the end of humanity, and what will it have stood for? (laughs) Jesus wins. I can't hold back. Jesus wins. The devil is defeated. But if you're not of the right spirit, as with a capital S, then you're going to go to hell. That's not only in your lifetime, but whatever it would take between your lifetime and the second coming of Jesus, you're going to have a second death. (laughs) And that you're going to be sentenced to eternal death. And what is eternal death? Nobody is going to ever remember you again. They're going to be Subject to, because they are already subject to, in the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, to the Word of God, living Word of God, such that there won't even be anything left of the human corruption. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. It's going to happen that way. You can keep saying I'm wrong. You can say the word of God is wrong. And I'll accept that I'm not the smartest guy in the world, nor am I the most accomplished in terms of study. But I have, thank God, enough common sense. And I do believe that sort of wisdom comes from the Holy Spirit alone to see as the proverbial, again, going back to Daniel, Belshazzar, the writing on the wall. Ahab was seeing the writing on the wall. The devil knows the writing on the wall. (laughs) You know. You know the writing on the wall. And Micaiah said, Behold, thou shalt see in that day when thou shalt go into an inner chamber to hide thyself. Because you can't hide from Jesus. You can't hide from God. You can't hide from God's judgment because it's in the inner chamber. It's in your conscience. You're trying to, but you can't. And the king of Israel said, Take Micaiah and carry him back unto Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus saith the king, Put this fellow in the prison and feed him with bread of affliction and with water of affliction until I come in peace. It's the devil. The devil will never bring peace. Ahab will never bring peace. It's all a trick. But if Micaiah is a prefigurement of anything, it would therein be as with the right tree, the right lineage, not just Hebrew, not Israel versus Judah, not Syria and the Israelites. It would come down to not Ishmael and Isaac necessarily, It would come down to the devil and the tree of life, the serpent and the tree of life. That's what it all comes down to. Jesus has won the battle, but he was put into a state of some suspense until the day when he shall come again. Verse 25, and Micaiah said, Behold, thou shalt see in that day, what day? The second coming of Jesus. Now, when thou shalt go into an inner chamber to hide thyself, and the king of Israel said, Take Micaiah and carry him back unto Ammon, 
the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son. And say, thus saith the king, put this fellow in the prison and feed him with bread of affliction and water. I want to live off that kind of bread and water if that's what this is about this time. Jesus said, thou shalt not live by bread and water. But when Elijah was on the mountain top, he was ministered bread and water by the angel of the Lord. Bread and water is not <laughs> living by material bread and water. Bread and water is living by the word of God and the Holy Spirit. Yes, some liberty there with symbolism, but I think it lines up. I challenge you, if it doesn't, to point that out to me. And should you be successful at making that case or argument, I'd be glad to come on the podcast and concede that point. But that would be until I come in peace. That's not Ahab coming in peace. That's Jesus coming in peace. And when Jesus comes in peace, not only will there be peace for all, all human souls, as in those that have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, but at the end time of all humanity, those who are in Christ, the remnant that remain, we're going to be in total peace. It's everybody else that's in hell until Jesus comes again, until the day they die, until they accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, until they are again sanctified, the vessel sanctified, but also with that, the Holy Spirit, the fire coming down as in the upper chamber on the day of Pentecost. They're going to be in hell, not only now, but forever. But we won't remember them. There won't be a tear shed for them. They had their choice. They had their chance. I am okay with saying the devil is really do his due. And if he goes to hell, I'm joyful in that. I don't want anyone else to go to hell. God doesn't want anybody else to go to hell. But I don't need anybody that has any of that left in them, either during the millennial reign, whether you're pre- or post-millennial, I'm not even going to go there. But why would I want to see the devil loosed for a season? I want him out of here. I want him gone. And the white throne judgment ensures we separated from the tares. We'll never have to contend with him again. Amakiah said, If thou return at all in peace, <laughs> the Lord hath not spoken by me, Ahab. And he said, Hearken, O people, every one of you. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself, Antichrist, and enter into the battle. We said last podcast, what is the battle? It's the battle for the soul, for dominion of earth, earth and matter material. But put thou on thy robes. And the king of Israel disguised himself and went into the battle. But the king of Syria commanded his thirty and two captains who had rule over his chariot, saying, Fight neither with small nor great, except only with the king of Israel. And it came to pass 
when the captains of the chariot saw Jehoshaphat, that they said, Surely it is the king of Israel. And they turned aside the fight against him. And Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat cried out. And so really the short version of this is that the devil will try to make the Christian look bad <laughs> and unfortunately make himself in that look good. And because he is a narcissist and does understand <laughs> all that human glory, he can do that pretty successfully. It's only by spirit that you're going to be able to really tell the difference. We said that earlier in the podcast today. But that's really what he was saying in verse 30. And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and enter into the battle, but put thou on thy robes. And the king of Israel disguised himself and went into the battle. Thy robes is really the righteousness, the cloak of righteousness of Christ. But if you put that on, the devil hopes that even the same way he crucified Christ, they're going to kill you. But God knows, you know in God, that that's not going to happen. It's the Antichrist that will be revealed for all that he is. And in that, then, will suffer that white throne judgment. And even so, as with ashes from within, already in hell, will be cast eternally, as we've also already declared, into the literal place called hell. Micaiah was telling the truth. So was Zedekiah. The devil tells you just enough truth that you don't so overtly disbelieve him. But the only way you're not going to get confused, the only way you're not going to become so embittered, your heart, that you grieve the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is being love and having, again, love, love others as you love yourself, is by allowing then the devil to confuse you by not reading the word of God, by not seeing the living word testimony in Jesus, by not heeding the Micaiah, <laughs> not understanding not only was Jesus the spirit of prophecy and a great prophet, but Jesus was the Messiah. He wasn't to prophesy of the Messiah to come. Prophecy is finished and completed in Christ. We see the full translation. We see the full transfiguration in Jesus. The Mount of Transfiguration already occurred when Jesus was resurrected. He foretold of it, as with Peter, James, and John, as with Elijah, as with Moses. But it comes to fruition in Jesus. Now, what does this have to do with Specialized pastoral care services, Christian counseling. Because if it's not with that witness, don't listen to it. Even if you come see me and you're not bearing, I'm not bearing that witness, don't listen to me. <laughs> Recognize whatever I'm saying coming out of that confusing, lying spirit. I hope that never happens. <laughs> I believe that God covers me and sanctifies me, but I don't want to be too presumptuous. If you don't believe it's the Holy Spirit that's inspiring the counsel and the direction, the guidance. If we don't discover it together in the name of Jesus, two or more gather together in his name. If he doesn't then establish agreement for us on behalf of us, with us, 
If it's to the end of anything, then it would be to your destruction. But God is not a murderer. God does not kill. The devil tricks you into killing yourself. And I do not want you to blame me for self-destruction. I do not want to be part of your unfortunate continued demise. But that's also why I do the podcast. And that's why I read the word. And that's why I attempt to do everything I can to remain in such the sanctified place. Not of myself, not of even Old Testament sanctification that only the word provides, knowing right from wrong. But I seek godly counsel, but I seek it as much from any human. I seek it from Jesus. Who can manifest himself through humans? And that's the whole premise of what is covenant specialized pastoral care services, Christian counseling ministry. It's the reason you go to church. It's the reason you read writings of not only those that are anointed as with the word of God Bible, but I believe that the Holy Spirit speaks to others and they've written books. <laughs> it's again the book of Revelation. Countless books. It would be so many. It wouldn't fill a library. Couldn't fill. Couldn't find space for it to fill any recognizable space. Of all the great things of Jesus. And the word of God made living word manifest. But to kind of bring the podcast today to some closure. That takes us back to verse 33. Actually, I'm going to go to 31. But the king of Syria commanded his 30 and two captains who rule, who had rule over his chariot, saying, Fight neither with small nor great, except only with the king of Israel. And it came to pass when the captains of the chariot saw Jehoshaphat, that they said, Surely it is the king of Israel. And they turned aside the fight against him. And Jehoshaphat cried out. And it came to pass... When the captains of the chariots perceived that it was not the king of Israel, that they turned back from pursuing him. I think, had Ahab gone up with grace and mercy, I think, had Ahab gone up in the name of Jesus, I think, had Ahab gone up as with inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I think, if Ahab had heeded Micaiah and the word of the Lord, I think... If Ahab had truly repented, I think, and I could go on, then I think Syria, they would have worked this out. It may have required a bit of turning the cheek, but it certainly wouldn't have been with murder. And nobody would have had to be sacrificed. Nobody would have had to be killed. Nobody would have to die. But because that was all that Ahab knew, because there was blood not only in his hands, but within his heart to murder. That's what he got. And a certain man drew a bow at a venture and smote the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. Wherefore he said unto the driver of his chariots, Turn thy hand and carry me out of the host, for I am wounded. And the battle increased that day, and the king was held up in his chariot against the Syrians and died. If you live by the sword, you die by the sword at evening. And the blood ran out of the wound into the inside of the chariot. And there went the proclamation throughout the host 
about the going down of the sun, saying, Every man to his city and every man to his own country. So the king died and was brought to Samaria, and they buried the king in Samaria, and one washed the chariot in the pool of Samaria, and the dogs licked up his blood, and they washed his armor according unto the word of the Lord, which he spake. Don't let that be your legacy. Don't let that be your epitaph. Don't let that be your tombstone. If there's going to be a memorial, let it be unto Jesus. And should you even be part of that, be glad you're part of that generationally as in the tree of life and that the inheritance that you can pass down by being that to others in the name of Jesus or allowing Jesus to manifest himself in and through you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, living Word of God, as in the same ministry of reconciliation as to these things and even greater and once more by the word of the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, then that's your memorial. And in that case, then be cremated. <laughs> it really doesn't matter that way. You just don't want to be cremated the other way. I want to thank you for joining me today on what is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry. If you want to reach me, you can call 304-528-9220, covenants.llc1 at yahoo.com, at Facebook, at Covenants on Facebook, and also on YouTube. And... You can find us at covenantsonline.com. And of course, you can come back and visit us again. Uh, listen for our next edition of What is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry with Dr. Michael David Clay. Until then, God bless and thanks. <laughs>